Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for Spring of Life Fellowship, Lord. Thank you for these 21 days that we have sought your face in fasting and prayer, Lord. Thank you for being so clear in the provision that has come from the heavens. Thank you, God, for the vast expanse of your mercies that are renewed over us day in, day out, covering us with your love and embrace, covering us with your mantle of amazing grace. We pray, O oh God, that today your word would be expounded with the boldness and the clarity and the certainty for which you sent it out, O oh God. As the dew that falls from heaven, our hearts are ready to receive your word as that which replenishes and restores and brings us to the place of seeing your glory cover our lives and in your purpose we pray father god that you might tune our ears that you might father god that you might come in and take the foreskin oh god and be able to circumcise the hearts so that we might father god Continue pursuing, not our pleasure, not what feels good to us, not what we know, but what you know, and who and what are your ways and your seasons. But for this, we need to have ears to hear and hearts to receive your word. So make your word this morning a good seed planted in good hearts, good soil that would bring forth good fruit and a harvest that glorifies your name, Lord. We give you thanks for Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. We give you thanks for your mercies. We give you thanks for the house of God and the people of God and the church of God. Father, we pray, O oh God, that you multiply your wisdom towards us and give us understanding, even this season, to know what it is to hear your voice and to follow in your ways. Give us spiritual insight and vision. Unveil, reveal to us your heart for our lives, our families, our ministries and how we're going to impact the nations with your goodness in Jesus name we pray amen and amen we begin today because we've been talking about faith in the last couple of days if you've missed any of the services you're doing a disservice to yourself to miss any of the days that have been uh, coming is a totally stripping of God's provision for you. Uh, we say in this house that uh, one day is like a thousand years. So if you miss one day, that sets at, at a disparity the next form and season for your life. And it'll give you clarity to receive the word of God as every table is prepared by the Lord. But so far we have this in Hebrews 11.2. We have come to understand that it's through faith, this substance, that many those that walked before us were able to hit the bullseye. Those elders, those people who walked before us obtained a thumbs up having lived this life by faith. Verse 3 says, all things by faith we can understand or stand under the, un the knowledge of the world's being framed by the word of God. Faith, what faith does, it puts the word of God into context. A lot of people say, well, I have faith. Well, what's the Bible say? They say, I don't know, but I have a lot of faith. That's not consistent with biblical truth. Biblical truth makes the word of God the reality of our entire lives so that the things which are seen the things that that happen in our life are made of those things which were not seen they're not made from visible things we're not we're not planning in the course and and whenever we're living a life of faith the way the devil steals our faith is removing the word of God and putting situations and circumstance in front of you to make you go with the situation and circumstance and to put away the word of God. Years ago, the Miami Herald came to our church and says, Pastor, we want to fundraise, help you fundraise, raise some more money in your church. So we'll give you free 
Miami Herald Sunday subscription. That means that, that, that every Sunday when the church comes, you get to sell the newspaper, not for a dollar or 50 cents. You could sell it cheaper, and that money, you can stay with it, and it'll help you fundraise. And I was like, devil, you're a tricky little fella. You're trying to get the people to read the cares of this life, which choke the seed of faith. You're trying to... You know, after the word of God comes out, if the people t leave home with the newspaper, hey, I got a cheap newspaper, and they, f they read it, by the time they finish reading it, every seed that was planted in the hearts would have been choked to death. So I said, thank you, but no thank you. We're not going to walk like that. In fact, we were just talking, if you missed uh, Thursday or Wednesday, uh, we were talking about Smith Wigglesworth, which was a man that was of powerful faith, raising the people up from the dead, restoring the sight to the blind and causing the he he those that were deaf to hear. And he was known in the entire world, and a pastor, friend of his, walked to his house, knocked on the door the first day he was invited. He had the newspaper under his arm, and he says, what's that under your arm? And he says, well, it's my umbrella. He goes, no, on your other arm. He says, well, that's a newspaper. And he says, well, that's not coming in my house. So he was a man who would not tolerate any other word but the word of God. And he says, that newspaper will not come into my house. And the man was curious. He says, what's wrong? He says, it's full of lies. And I don't let lies in my house. That's radical. Some people would say it's ignorant, but it's according to the measure of faith you want to live in. And so there's people that nourish themselves to only be impacted by the word of God, which is what frames the entire universe. Um, right there where it says, by faith, we understand that the worlds, that word there is universe. That everything ever existing was created, that's where the word framed was, was made up by the word of God. So in a world that we live here on earth, in Miami, in this 2000, the 21st century, 2015, what are you listening to? And that will determine what your world is all about. So there are some people that will be in stocks and they listen. Uh, we, we, we went up today. We went down today. We went up today. We went down today. We went really, really up today. We went really, really down today. And their life is all concerning that which is their meditation. But we have said that those who meditate in God's word day and night, everything flourishes and prospers. So that's the first premise with regards to the, this life of faith. Why have a lot of people stopped going to church? Because it's no longer understanding the life that God has created for us. They don't know that we were his workmanship. We were created for good works to glorify his name upon the earth. So if we're listening to the words that frame all things created by God, I want to suggest that way before you were born, when it says we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, in that word of God is your name. With your entire life, because God planned it all before he created the earth. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. It says it clearly for us. So that we understand that we are his workmanship and we were created in the realm of Christ for good works, prepared. Everything is set up beforehand, before the worlds were created, that we should walk in that reality and not in everything else that has been spoken over our lives throughout our lifetime. There's some of us, when we even before we were we were. In our mother's womb, they, they talked about us, um, when are you having your first child? And then the response, no way! That's not the word of the Lord. That's not, that's not God's desire. 
But those words were already being spoken by unbelievers who did not walk in faith, who were not establishing the word of God way before we were born. I want to have a boy when, and a girl comes out and, and another word has been spoken in your contrary, to contradict who you are. So everything has been spoken over our lives even before we were here. Before I came out of the womb, the doctor says, you must kill this baby. You must kill him because you had the mumps and he's going to be retarded. Some people would question that right now. <laughs> but even before I was born, there were forces in place trying to destroy what God had prepared from before the foundations of the earth in his purpose. So hearing the word of God and not hearing the natural, the, the enemy 2 Peter 1.4 says, within this framework, we know that he has given us. Listen to this. This is very powerful. Through this life that's in Christ, we have been given. It's not something that, that you're going to get in the future. It's already been given to you because it's already spoken before the world existed. And it's in faith, in this framework of what has been spoken by the word of the Lord, that exceedingly great and very price, that's where the word precious comes from, 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 from high value, exceedingly immense and precious promises, that if we move in that direction, we will partake of a divine nature. A divine nature is the supernatural realm. It's above the natural. That's why people think we're crazy. We're living above earthly uh, accomplishment. We're striving for the supernatural. And then we can partake um, of this life and escape from the rottenness that is in the world because of selfishness, because of desire. So these are the two competing, um, hearing God and hearing self. What God wants, what I want. What God feels, what, what I feel. These competing interests are stripping us of faith. So the clarity of faith comes from Romans 10, 17, that we will be established and created and attain the fullness of what God has for us to the degree that we are hearing, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Every time the devil wants to trick and take man into falling away from God's plan, he will provide an imitation. And the imitation are these their, um, institutions and gatherings and assembly where man says we're there uh, because we want to study the word of God, theology. We want to try to understand these things. And, and the pitfall for many is that they end up religious. Religious. Religious is an appearance that you're walking with God. An appearance that you're living that life. But the truth of the matter is, you have a facade going on. The fact that you go to church doesn't make you inherit the great and precious promises. The fact that your husband is a Christian. The fact that your wife is a Christian. The fact that your children are on fire for God. None of these things are the promises to inherit this life. It's those who have the capacity to hear God's voice. And there it is in Hebrews, a couple verses, Hebrews eleven six. 6. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For if we're going to come to God, we must believe that he is there and he begins to reward those who truly, genuinely, diligently seek him. So that, that, that is the travesty of our day. A, a thousand people might call themselves a Christian and only a handful truly are seeking him with their entire heart. Truly a handful are the ones that are, are the, the Bible describes it as they 
they long for every utterance of the mouth of God. They're like, God, what do you, yeah, a whole bunch of people say a whole bunch of things, but what are you saying, God? That was my, my heart constantly. We, we have a lot of good ideas, but the best are God's ideas. What is God thinking? And so our situation is how do we find the heart of God? How to get to the place where pleasure, it says by faith, without faith, it's impossible to please him. His pleasure is those things he created. This is called the will of God. His pleasure is to see every one of our lives doing what he designed us to become. And the devil wants to make us rotten. He wants to make us uh, uh, bitter, resentful, hateful, ungrateful. And God is saying, that's not my pleasure. My pleasure is attained by those who walk in faith, aspiring to my instruction. So what governs the life of a man is his heart. Whatever falls in there, if it's the word of God and the expression comes forward out of a man's heart, um, from the abundance of a man's heart, his mouth speaks. And we're constantly speaking not the wisdom of God, not faith. We, we speak what we feel. I was talking to a man this week. Every word he told me was, I feel, I feel, I feel. I feel, I feel. I said, you know what I do every morning when I wake up? I flush all my feelings down the toilet because my feelings will lead me to my destruction. My, my, what I feel will take me to, to really ugly things. The devil could use my feelings for destruction. Um, and we're going to see this real powerfully, Proverbs 23, 7. Whatever comes into the heart of man, for as he thinks in his heart, so he becomes. First part of this verse, as whatever gets in your heart, well, that's what happened to Judas when he betrayed Christ. You said, who would betray the Messiah? Who would betray the Christ? Who would, be, who would turn on the most... The, the, the most emphatic demonstration of love that's upon the earth. Who would turn against that? And it's a man who Satan places in his heart. These affairs of rebellion, disobedience. Uh, it's not fair. It's not just. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix things. So as you think in your heart, so you become. And this is, this is true of a perfect being. If you say, well... Um, not me because I'm strong, not me because I'm old, not me because I've been a Christian for a long time. Well, let's talk about an archangel, Isaiah 14, 12, where he's the, the seal of perfection. When God created Lucifer, he was an archangel that was at the right hand of the throne of God, closer than any of us have been recently. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. How you are cut down to the ground. How did you go from such a high place to such a low place? And it tells us where in verse 13, where it says, you have said in your heart. You, from, from right there, the issue is a heart issue. Every expression of man is the issue of his heart. I put my will. I will exalt my throne. I will sit. I will come. I will go. Honey, a husband asking his wife for confirmation. Honey, what do you think about this? <laughs> Starship Enterprise, boldly going where no man goes before. With a thousand, this is what I think. This is what I see. This is what I hear. This is what my mama told me. This is what your mama should have told you. Instead of, Let's seek the face of God. Let's seek the counsel of God. What does the word of God say? Some of you guys didn't like that, but that's fine. Truth will set you free. If you begin to say, you know, Sonny, uh, honey, Sonny, honey, I see what you're concerned about. And I have a million bright ideas. 
but I'm willing to strip you from all the glory God has for you. Like my ancestor Eve, who came up with bright ideas in the garden. Like my, the mother of, of, uh, of Isaac, Sarah. She had a lot of great ideas. What, what a powerful thing to say, you know something, let's seek the word of the Lord. There's a lot of things that make me comfortable and make me uh, secure and make me stable. But I'm able to destroy and trample everything God wants to do because I'm going to speak in his stead. I'm going to influence your heart with my fear. And so there it is. How you have fallen because you said in your heart, I will ascend. I will raise my throne. I will ascend to the heights. I will make myself like the most high. This is, this is a learning to distinguish the frequency of God's voice. To hear God's voice is not just so that you could hear it, but it has the implication that you're going to obey it. How many say amen? Because amen. the counsel of God's going to come. Whether we obey or not, that's another issue. To hear and obey the voice of the Lord is the key to walking in faith. Now we're talking about today how we distinguish the voice of God and not the many ways God speaks. God speaks through dreams. He speaks through visions. He speaks through his messengers. He speaks through prophecy. He speaks through angels. He speaks through signs and wonders. Hebrews 1 verse 2 says that God in many, at many times, sometimes God speaks in the morning, some God speaks in the afternoon time, Sometimes, let's go to verse 1. Uh, he speaks um, at nighttime. I, I've had God speak to me at 3 o'clock in the morning. Hey, wake up. So we're not talking about when God speaks or how God speaks. We're talking about how to distinguish. Hebrews 1.1 1, 1 says, God, who at various times in multiple or various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. Uh, there's some people that have issue of hearing God's voice because they, they say, I don't think God speaks to man. My friend Reza Safa is a Muslim converted to Christianity, and he was challenged to speak at a, uh, at a gathering. Again, it was a debate. It was the mu Muslim cleric versus him, a Christian man of God, evangelist, pastor. And, and he asked one question at the beginning. He says, and it was, the room was full of Muslims. And he says, how many Muslims are here? Raise your hand. So they all raise their hands. About a thousand in the room. And then he says, how many have, have heard the voice of God? And they all put their hand down. Because in the Muslim, in the Muslim faith, Islamic faith... You cannot hear the voice of God because he is so holy and we're so earthly and manly and ter terrestrial that there's, there cannot be any voice, not even amongst the clerics. What they have is just their Quran. But none of them have heard the voice of God. And then he says, how many Christians are in the room? And about a thousand Christians raise their hands. And he says, how many Christians have heard God speaking to them? And they all raised, kept their hands raised. They all have heard from God. They all listened to God. At one time or another, God spoke to them. So God has spoken in many times in the past, in many ways. He's spoken to the past, to the fathers by the prophets. And then it says, verse 2, And at these times, these last days, has spoken, it has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Again, look at the, the context of his creation of all things. Um, Jesus was there creating with the Father of the universe. But he is speaking to us in these last days. This isn't the time the Hebrews are written, but the, we're living even after that. That he, he still speaks. Jesus is still speaking to us. And, and we do well to listen to that voice. The loudest of God's voice for us today is in his son. What his son has done, what his son is doing, what his son is going to accomplish. So we're concerned not with the fact that God speaks, 
um, somebody told me one day, Pastor, you always talk about God speaking to you. I said, yeah, you know, God speaks to me, my horse speaks to me. And he's like, what are you talking about? I go, yeah, when I'm, I had a horse and he was in the stall in the stable, he wanted out, he would kick the door. And even my little dogs, when we had dogs, they would speak to it. They'd go over and, and they're, they're ex- communicating. I, I'm not foolish enough to know that they don't want to go outside. Uh, they want to go outside. That's what they're trying to communicate. Hey, dummy, let me outside. So they speak. So God speaks also. God has the wherewithal to speak to us. And even with this church plant, he spoke to us clearly. On a timely basis, just when we were asking for him to express his heart, he, he was able to be loud and he moved our hearts with what he spoke. So when God speaks, he's not necessarily speaking to your ear audibly, but most of the time he'll speak to your spirit. And if your spirit is very small, you won't be able to distinguish. But if you grow and cultivate your spirit, you'll be able to say, thank you, Lord. And you'll speak out loud when he's speaking to your spirit. Amen. 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 Now, here, God, I was at a, a closing some years ago. We were buying a restaurant in Fort Lauderdale with a client. And the architect was from Argentina. He was a very brilliant man. He was a contractor, architect, engineer. And he says, oh, you want to talk to me about God, but let me just tell you on the forthright that I've read the entire Bible and I've gotten nothing out of it. I said, yeah, because you want to eat it with your brain. And that's a book that feeds your heart. You wanted to intellectualize. And the Bible says that you'll get no fruit out of the intellectual exercise. So Smith Wigglesworth heard this great London British preacher was saying that he heard two men arguing. I read the Bible in Hebrew. And the guy says, well, I know how to read it in Greek. How about you, Smith? And he says, I read it in the Holy Spirit. I read it to find out what the heart of God is in the spirit of God. And so we want to hear God clearly. First uh, Thessalonians 5.23, we have the display of body, soul, and spirit. These are the three components of a man's life. So it says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. Your whole body be separate so that you might, uh, and may your whole, these are the three uh, components of a man, spirit, soul, and body. Um, be able to pre- be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord. These three aspects. Some of you have bought, brought your body into the church today, but your spirit is not here. Some of you have not welcomed uh, the word of God, that, that area that, that you cultivate. This is why we, we praise and worship before every service. We're cultivating our spirit. We're, we're getting aligned and in tune with God. The body deals with the physical aspects. How many have starved the body these 21 days? Absolutely. We've told the body, you're not in charge. The spirit governs. Fasting and prayer are spiritual exercise of the spirit man. And then the soul. What is the soul? Let me tell you what the soul is. Very important. The soul gets kidnapped by the sinful nature that has come into man. So it makes you feel and to want and to think everything you shouldn't. The soul, you'll see it in people that go around like this. You're like, man, look at their physical body. It has an expression. Must be that their soul is captured by the sinful nature. I don't want to be here. What's he saying? That's a soul that's captured. They're not in jail. They're not, they're not handcuffed. They're not in prison, but their soul is. Their soul is being governed by the sinful nature. And so that is the loudest voice that man has. The loudest voice that man could come up to. Um, and this, is, this becomes the hindrance to faith. It's called the voice that speaks. Right now, if, if we could, if God for a second could allow everybody's thoughts to be voiced, there would even be curse words right here. There would, there would be really evil words just being. So the inner voice is, is that which we're born with in the nature of sin. And, and that is speaking loud. 
And that voice wants to govern the man's affairs. And these are the three uh, expressions of this voice. You say, yeah, but I think, voicing your, you know, your opinion, voicing your concern, I think, and then you say, I feel, I tell people, look, God says here, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Yeah, but I feel depressed. You're not supposed to feel that. Well, that's the voice that, that is speaking, and that's why it's governing my life. So I stop eating, I stop wanting to talk with people, I stop wanting to go to church, I stop wanting to pray, read the Bible, because I'm being governed by my feelings. There's a strong voice. Um, and then the will. If, if, if these three natures of self, what I think, what I want, and what I feel, are destroyed, you have a hope to take a step of faith. If you come against these with a serious, what Jesus says, not my will, thine be done. Not what I want. Not what this rebel is telling me. Uh, this rebel will lead you to walk away from God and refuse a life of pleasing God. He doesn't want to please God. He wants to please himself. So he thinks to himself, he feels to himself, and he wants and wills to himself, governing our appetites and our thought life and our ways. Romans 8, 6, Paul spoke clearly of this mindset. To be carnally minded in a I want, I feel, I think mindset produces death. What, you know, we all know that if we want something, think something, will feel something, we're not going to die. Yes, you are. You're going to die to the life God has planned for you. You're going to die to receiving the things that God created before the foundations of the earth. To be carnally minded is death. And to be spiritually minded gives you life and brings you to the peace of God's plan. To be able to walk in that way. Why? Pastor, that's not fair. Well, verse 7 says like this. Because the carnal mind has decided to be God's enemy. He's not friends with God. He doesn't say amen. He's not saying okay what you have planned, which is glorious, which is amazing. He's set on fighting God, dragging his heels. The carnal mind is in enmity against God and... It is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. You cannot try to disciple the sinful nature. You cannot try to rationalize the thoughts of I will, I want, and I think. You can't. That, he will always vote against God. He does not believe God. He does not desire the things of God. Verse 8 says like this. He can't walk in faith. Because, verse 8, <clears throat> so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And we know without faith you can't please God. And if you walk in the flesh, you can't please God. So if you walk in the flesh, you don't have faith. Right there is a great time to shout amen. amen. It's a great time to say, now I got it. Pastor, I got it. What do you've got? That this carnal mindset of the flesh that is in enmity with God and doesn't want to please God has to die. Amen. Die. And that's where it says that if you seriously kill it, <clears throat> Romans 6 verse 4, you will take steps towards burying. Therefore we bury with him through baptism. Conform to walking in the death of the sinful nature. Some of you haven't got water baptized. You're still walking around with this guy grabbing you by the neck, pulling you away from God. But there in baptism, you are burying the man just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we should walk in this new life. Verse 5. 
For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, if we have killed this sinful nature, certainly we also shall be raised up in the likeness of resurrection. Verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, so that our body of sin might be done away with. Say with me, done away with. With what I think, what I feel, and what I want. I'm done. Done away with. That we should no longer live as slaves to this life of destruction. Galatians 2.20 says, I did kill it. And so since I kill it, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Now it's his will. It's his feeling. It's his wants. It's his desires. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Now I could take a step of faith. In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I love this verse in Galatians. Um, I think it's 524 maybe. All those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. That's why the call to be a Christian is the call to kill me, myself, and I. It's no longer I'm who willing, I'm who pleasing, I'm whom feeling. It's now what does God think about this? What does God want? What, what pleases God? And that is faith. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives within me. And all those who belong to Christ have crucified this sinful nature with its passions and desires. Listen, this, this, uh, this person here who is speaking louder than the voice of God in your life is, is wanting to set the course of your steps towards destruction because of what you feel, because of what you want, and because of what you think. And you know something, it marvels me when I see an 80-year-old man continue to walk in these ways. His life has been a disaster, and he continues to, well, I think, well, I want what I... And then what marvels me even more is a 12-year-old son who tells his dad, yeah, but this is what I want. This is what I feel. This is what I think. And I'm like, you poor, needing-to-be-crucified soul. Colossians 3, verse 5 says like this, put to death. This is not, by any ways, please no one go home and kill your kid or kill your wife or kill yourself. Put to death those members, this sinful nature. Destroy it. One day we were at a prayer gathering and my older brother was kneeling down and he says, Lord, I just want to dis discipline my flesh. I want, to, I want to train. I want to control my appetite. And the woman next to him is an old godly woman. She says, No! And he went, and we all went, what's wrong with her? You don't train the flesh. You don't control the flesh. You crucify the flesh. You nail it to the cross. You don't ask it. You don't train it. You don't try and control it. You don't fast. You don't pray for the flesh. That's not what's going on. You're killing it. Why? Because in them, are all these desires. Kill, bring to, put to death your members which are on earth. Fornications, feelings, sentiments, situation, uncleanness, dirty pornography, passions, uh, the desires of things that are out of order, evil desires, covetousness, idolatry, raising up things before God. Galatians 5.19 says, these are the works of the flesh. Where are they? Why does God want to kill them? Because this is where you're headed. The works of the flesh are clear. Adultery? How many want to go for adultery? You better kill your sinful nature. Put it to death. As if you will trample the marital covenant, fornication, pornography. Hey, Christians, I've been a Christian 20 years, but I'm still addicted to pornography. Kill it. Don't put it on a diet. Kill it. Bring it to death. Let it breathe its last. Crucify it. Lewdness. He is always 
walking in little bits of lewdness. Verse 20. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish dissensions, twistedness in matters of uh, the things of God. The truths of God are twisted. That's heresy. Verse 21. Those who practice envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, the, all that are similar to this, which I tell you even at the front before it even happens. Like I told you in times past that those who practice these things will never see to inherit the kingdom of God, will never walk faith, will never be able to see. That's why the first thing Jesus told people when they walked up to him in Luke 9, 23, is if you're going to take a step of faith, you must deny self. You must destroy. Luke 9, 23, then he said to them all, if anyone, anyone desires to come and follow me, he must first deny himself. Understand that this is not what you want, not what you feel, not what you think. Take up your cross daily. Uh, all the anxieties of men carrying the weight of the cares of this life. That is following after the sinful nature. I need to take care of this. I need to address this. It's what I feel, what I want, what I, um, what I desire, what pleases me. He says, take up your cross daily and follow me. That, that is the nature of being able to clear the channel to hear the voice of God. If we're not doing this, we're headed for grave destruction. Why does God want us to kill the sinful nature of man so that we could hear his voice? Because 1 Corinthians 3.20, he knows that every thought that you have, I think, I feel, I want... Every thought of those who walk in human wisdom lead to nothing, to futility. It is not part of God's game plan. It doesn't lead you to accomplish God's desire. It's a temporal mindset. It's a vain mindset. It's an earthly aspiration. And, and these, um, I have said for a long time, are the most miserable of all Christians. The ones that do not have not been able to attain to a, a life of faith. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the rational thoughts of man are futile, but the things of God must be. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. Every time I mention this thing about a wife not leading her husband, they're like... Pfft. But do you, do you realize where we would end up if I start following this guy? And I'm like, if he gets connected with God, you're going to see the glory of God. Amen. If he hears from God and obeys and is able to walk in the path, you guys are headed for glory. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. Nor can he be intimate with them because they need to be attained in a spiritual atmosphere cultivating a life with God. We have 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, where it says the boy Samuel was there in the work of the Lord under the high priest Eli, but the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread visual of the plans of God. Bless you. There was no visual. The Samuel was there in the house, in the tabernacle, in, in ministering to God under the high priest, but the word of the Lord was not evident. Not everybody was seen. There was no widespread revelation. Verse 2. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying there in that place, when his eyes began to grow, Eli was getting old and he could not see. Verse 3. And God said, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of the God was. And while Samuel was laying down, verse 4, the Lord called Samuel and said, Here am I. And when he called, telling Samuel, uh, You're trying to reach me, Lord, verse 5, it says that he ran to Eli and said, Here I am for you. You called me. 
And he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. And he went to lay down. So this happens several times. What's this mean? That today you hear what you've heard so far. And our desire this year is a year where our theme is faith, where we want to see the glory of God in our lives. We want to see his plans. We want to hear him clearly. We want to see uh, faith in the calling of the lives of our children, of the plans God has for them. Because if you sit there and your kid says, well, dad, I don't know what to do. You should say, let's ask God so that you fulfill his plans. He has a plan already figured out. He has times and seasons. He has phone calls. He has relationships. He has places. He has all this. If you cater to God's plan and don't run to hear other voices, you're going to see God's goodness. We, we have seen the ugliness of having a baby born into the house of God, growing up to be 20, and then somebody goes by and says, you know, you should be a fireman. And since there is no voice of God, since there is no seeking after the plans of God, she says, I want to be a fireman. And somebody who's not a Christian, somebody who doesn't go to church, somebody who is not connected to the Lord could swipe and wipe out somebody who's been groomed their entire life to be a princess for the Lord. Isn't that sad? That's not to be. That's not to be. So let's stand this morning and ask God. We want to begin to understand and nourish our lives. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, the devil will come and say, well, this is, if this is what God is doing... The tempter came to him and said, if you are a son of God, then here's my suggestion. Here's what you're, you're hungry, you're thinking, you're wanting, you're feeling. And Jesus says like this, it's not the basis of my thinking, my wanting, or my feeling. But that which directs my life, verse 4, is, he answered him, it's written, man shall not live by physical bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There's something in hearing God's voice that will nourish your life into the plan and purpose of God. This morning, we're, we're taking steps in that direction. We understand today that there's a significant voice in our head and in our lives and it might be even your spouse's voice in her head and in her life and her desire that speaks louder than God's voice even in your life. So you shut down your voice to hear your spouse, and that is destruction. My suggestion today is kill it! Both of them. Crucify with Christ. I don't want to hear what you feel anymore. Sounds crude, but that's how you kill it. Death is not pleasurable. I don't want to know what you want. I don't want to know what you think. We both should desire to take that life in the spirit that's not in enmity with God and say, I want to think, feel, and I want to want and think and feel what God, what, what is his heart. And that's, that's what the Bible is saying. That's why the gospel is a call to be crucified. Um, when we have Christianity non-crucified, there's no cross, there's no Lord, and everybody is doing their own thing, that's why the world mocks our worship. They're not seeing the glory of God. They're seeing chaos and confusion. They're saying, seeing a lot of hostility and works of the flesh. Uh, the, the divorce rate in the house of God is just like it is in the world. And some will even say that it's higher because Christians are getting married and so they get divorced more often. Non-Christians, they don't get married, so they're not going to get divorced. But if we're going to be able to not be like them, the only difference is being able to hear the Word of God. Being able to quiet and, and, and still that voice that has feelings, that has sentiments, that gets roused up. And, and the Bible says it's in hostility. It's an all-out war against the spirit. So we need to come to that place where we're saying, I, I don't want to live. I'm, I'm, done. I'm, 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 I'm done with myself. I'm done with letting self run the show. I want the spirit of God to lead me in paths of righteousness 
and I want to see his goodness in this life. Father, thank you today for what you've done in this house. Thank you, Spirit of God, for speaking so clearly. Thank you for quieting our hearts to receive and welcome the small, still voice of the Spirit of God. Lead us, direct us, govern our affairs. Set us free, God. Help us to deny, to say no. Want to hear you? We want what you feel, your righteous judgment, your fruitfulness, your flourishing, your thoughts, your ways, way above ours, O Lord. That we not hinder, that we not come against, rebel, that we not refuse your hand. We surrender, God. We surrender to your Lordship that your words would be louder, that your spirit's voice might be the influencing measure in our hearts. Peace is that result. Peace is the fruit of those who delight themselves in the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for being an example of him who listened to God, who obeyed God, who surrendered and humbled himself, O oh God. We buried together with you in baptism, raised up into newness of life. Spirit of God, lead us and establish the righteous works of God. His priority in our words, thoughts, and actions. In Jesus' name we pray. And the house of God says amen, amen, amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.